Rear Admiral, good morning. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, what are the assets in place that might be potential targets for U.S. forces? Well, I think that's what we've been hitting the last few nights. Um, I think what they what they are aiming for are all the um, stowage facilities, command and control facilities. Um, there's a handful of training facilities as well. Um, they're really trying to get to the launch equipment for drones and missiles. And they've been hitting these, I'd, I'd say, you know, over 100 aim points so far. So I would say that they probably hit a large majority of what they had targeted, previously targeted before the three Americans were killed uh, one week ago. Um, I suspect they're now developing new targets that uh, try to find where these guys, uh, particularly the proxy units, have moved to, uh, because they certainly had enough warning to um, to uh, get out of the, you know, the comfortable, you know, get out of the digs that they've been sitting in for the last uh, three months. Uh, striking us uh, without us striking back. Yeah, let me p- piggyback off that. The, the proxy forces in Iran, are, are they already in hiding? Do you feel like the Biden administration telegraphed its response or responded uh, too late to, to this? So, yeah, the, the Iranian proxy forces, in, they're in Syria and Iraq, definitely got, you know, for you know having four and a half days where they kind of knew the U.S. was going to take action, you know, after the three service members were killed, um, that certainly was a little too much time. Uh, for them to to get moving and and I uh, I understand that there was weather issues but we have all weather strike aircraft I, I think we could have done some damage the the real issue is we I think you're referring to it and I agree with you completely the Iranian the actual Iranian IRGC support elements these are Iranian officers who hang out in Syria and Iraq and give guidance and funding and training to these proxy forces I I almost guarantee they all left. You know, in that in that four day period, five day period, they all, uh, you know, went back to uh, Iran or went back to major cities, you know, inside Iraq, so that they're uh, they're not at risk, and and that's unfortunate because I think if we're going to hold Iran accountable, we probably have to hold Iranian actual Iranian forces accountable, and the easiest way to do it would have been those forces in Iraq and Syria. John. Uh, good morning, sir. Uh, I'm a Navy veteran, spent some time on the USNS Mars in the Napson AOR and the USNS Walter S. Deal. My question for you, will these strikes ret- restore deterrence in the region? Well, first, thank you for your service. And I, in fact, underway replenished from Walter S. Deal probably 40 or 50 times. So awesome. Are you on here? Um, you know, on the question of deterrence, so, I mean, the way the deterrence ladder should have worked is, you know, somewhere after the first, you know, some, the strikes really started in earnest um, October 17th. Somewhere around Halloween or worst case Thanksgiving of last year, we should have been striking back hard. That's how you do deterrence, right? We hold you accountable. Um, you know, we do cost of position to d- deter you from doing further strikes. But we basically let 150 or so strikes go with fairly muted response from us. And then eventually three Americans were killed and now we obviously have to do a lot. So we have to be careful not to jump the escalation ladder, you know, go straight to like mainland strikes of Iran. I think that would be inappropriate. But to restore deterrence, we're really gonna have to do now do a persistent, aggressive campaign against everything possible in Iraq and Syria that is supported by the IRGC forces and do it over enough time that eventually the IRGC forces themselves, the, the, uh, the Iranians, either have to stay away and not control their proxies or come back in and place themselves at risk. But I'm afraid this is going to be very hard 
it's very hard to say when this ends with an effective deterrence because we waited so long to start the strikes. Visiting with retired Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery, what message should Secretary of State Antony Blinken be conveying as he visits the Middle East? So, I, you know, I think he's there on two different mission sets. One is about um, he's trying to get a ceasefire going in Gaza, you know, with a, on, on terms that the uh, Israelis' uh, government will accept, which, which are tough terms but appropriate considering what happened to Israel on October 7th. So he's working that with the Saudis, Egyptians, Qataris, uh, and Israelis. And, uh, and, and the second issue he's working is talking with Saudi Arabia about Iran, you know, in other words, trying to put Iran a little bit in a box. You know, last summer, Iran and Saudi Arabia began to, you know, repair their relationship, which is which has always been fraught, and and that was not good for U.S. Saudi um, uh, rapprochement, and and it wasn't good for Israeli Saudi normalization. So I think he's also working the Saudis in terms of making sure they understand who Iran is. Iran is the greatest threat in the Middle East, and and making sure that we have the opportunity to normalize Saudi-Israeli relations and improve U.S.-Saudi relations uh, when this uh, crisis is over. Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery with the Foundation for Defense of Democracy. Certainly appreciate your time and your expertise, and I look forward to having you back on the show very soon. Well, thank you for having me.